Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. As I prayed about sharing with you, God deposited a word in my spirit from John chapter 13, the gospel of John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. We find these words, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. I want to share for a little while, just around the thought, what's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with it? I need to issue a disclaimer. This is not a musical critique of the hit single by the legendary pop singer, rock and roll singer, artist, Tina Turner. She She did uh, come out with a song years ago, which is her signature song, What's Love Got to Do With It? But when I read this passage, and I think of our sharing together today, I do believe the question has relevance. And as I prepare to share this question, what's love got to do with it? Tickle tease taunted and tantalized me as it looked at me and I looked at it. When I look at this passage in its larger context, in the Gospel of John, love does have something to do with it. Uh, In this Gospel, in chapter 13, things shift dramatically because Jesus is anticipating his passion. And it launches with an affirmation that He loved his own and he loved them to the very end. That's the kind of God we serve. And Judas, shortly into this chapter, Judas exits. He leaves and he perpetuates his betrayal. And by doing so, he set in motion events that would culminate in the arrest, the trial, the crucifixion, the death and the burial of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But at this point in the narrative, Jesus speaks of this horrific suffering and death that is imminent for him as if it was a celebration. And with Judas not anymore present in their company, with love and deep affection, he encourages the disciples. It's interesting that in the Gospel of John, In chapters 1 through 12, the word love, which is in our text, occurs only 12 times. But from chapter 13 until chapter 21, those final eight chapters, 
the word love appears 44 times. So it's obvious that love has something to do with it. I'm having a number of conversations with pastors around the country. Churches are still reeling in this post-pandemic period because the impact of the pandemic, the impact of COVID was seismic. And as I share with these pastors, some are telling me that there are members who are MIA, they're missing in action. Others are AWL, they're absent without leave. And, and then what I'm hearing is that there are in so many instances, individuals and families who are suffering from friendly fire because we are dealing in this day and time with a lot of brokenness. A lot of brokenness, a lot of woundedness. And, and we don't want to be, as some claim the church is, the only army that shoots its wounded. In the midst of the woundedness, in the midst of the disconnectedness, love has something to do with it. Because as one writer said, we do not need therapy or counseling. What we need is healing community. It's what I felt and my wife felt when we walked into this building, when we came to this place on this particular day. We can agree, I hope, that love has something to do with it. And when I look at this in the text, I have to ask the text, why is that true? And when I ask the text that question, three things emerge. Would you like to know what they are? (laughs) First of all, love has something to do with it. Because according to this text, the commandment requires it. In this text, Jesus says to his disciples, as he encourages them with thoughts about what is imminent in his own life and what would happen to them, he shares a new commandment. And it is a commandment. It's not a multiple choice exam. He says, a new commandment I give to you. It's not a request. It's not a power play. It's not a coup. Because Jesus is Lord. Do I have any witnesses here? He is sovereign. He is is the son of God. And he's co-equal and co-eternal with the father and the Holy Spirit. And he has the authority. He has the authority to command and to expect unconditional obedience. When we look at the life of Jesus as recorded in the Gospels, during a storm at sea, he commanded the winds and the waves to be quiet. And he can command the storm in your life to be quiet. He commanded a legion of demons to leave their tormented host and enter a herd of pigs. He commanded in the Gospels a crippled man to pick up his bed and walk. And in chapter 11 of this Gospel, he commanded Lazarus and he had to call him by name because if he just said, come forth, everybody in the cemetery would have got up. He commanded Lazarus to come out of the tomb. And at the end of the gospel of Matthew, he commands the church to go into all the world and make disciples. He says a new commandment. And in the original language, 
new in terms of its placement in the sentence, in the statement. It's not new in time, it's new in kind. It's a new thing, it's a new species, it's a new something that had not been experienced before. The Old Testament speaks of love, but not in the way that Jesus speaks of it in this particular passage. Jesus' directive to his disciple was a revolutionary one and became the major mark and distinction of the life of the early church and believers. Let me put it this way, just the contrast, new commandment, old commandment, Old Testament, New Testament. The old commandment, Moses carried it in his hand, tables of stone. The new commandment Jesus speaks of in this text is written on the tables of our hearts. The, the, the old commandment was characterized by a restrictive covenant. It had to do with Israel. The new commandment is characterized is characterized by a redeemed community of which we are a part of here today. The old commandment required daily sacrifice, but the new commandment required a divine savior who came down through 42 generations. The old commandment required a special priesthood, but the new commandment requires a special power of provision in the person of the Holy Spirit. The old commandment was focused on behavior, but the new commandment is focused on our belief. The old commandment involved daily ritual, but the new commandment involves a dynamic relationship. Anybody have that relationship? You hear my grandmama saying and my granddaddy saying, I know I've been changed. It's a dynamic relationship. Yes, that's right. It's much more than a daily ritual. That's right. There is this new commandment, but inferred in this passage, as we talk about what love got to do with it, for this new commandment to be fulfilled, we have to experience a new capacity. And so... Once we get beyond chapter 13 and we move into chapter 14, we have the ministry of the Holy Spirit introduced. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes the moment we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ and lives inside of our lives. And this new capacity brings forth fruit Fruit in the Bible, it's fruit singular. If you're experiencing this relationship, these fruit will be evident in varying degrees in our lives. Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit, I'm talking about this new capacity, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, listen, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Bible expositor, interpreter, Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse. He helped me with this because he talked about love. When you look at the fruit of the spirit, love is the connective tissue that links all of them together. Joy is nothing but love singing. Peace 
is love resting. Long suffering is love enduring. Gentleness is love touching someone else's life. Goodness is love just being loved. Faith is love believing. Meekness is love reaching out. And temperance is love restraining. Love has something to do with it. Because the commandment requires it. But in the second instance, not just because the commandment requires it, but the cross reveals it. He says, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. And then he says this, as I have loved you, as I have loved you, you also love one another. In fact, Jesus presents himself as the magnificent model, the timeless template, the bountiful blueprint, the exceptional example of what love is. He says, if you want to know how to do it, if you want to know how to act upon this commandment, just look at me. He says, I want you to love each other as I love you. It's the love that in that awesome verse, the gospel in miniature, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He says, love each other as I love you. He loved them despite their flaws and their failures. Sometimes I run into someone who said, when I get my life together, I'll come to church. You, you got the cart before the heart because it's coming to the church and coming to the Lord that will help you get your life together. He'll look beyond. He'll look beyond our faults. And he'll see our needs. He loved them. Think about it. When he says this, he takes off his outer garment girds a towel about his waist and goes around the table from which they all recline and he washes their feet. Get to Peter. Peter said, you know, I love Peter. He said, no, you can't wash my feet. He said, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part of me. And I'm paraphrasing now. Peter said, I want a shower. He loved them despite their flaws and failures. Think about it. He's washing their feet. He washed Judas's feet knowing he'll betray him. Wash Peter's feet knowing he'll deny him. James and John knowing their ambitious opportunism. We want uh, special places when you come. Thomas knowing his skepticism. And he loves us like that too. He, He knows us he knows us like that. Yeah. Knows us better than anybody else does. Yeah, that's right. Knows us more than we know our own self and still loves us. Yeah, right. yeah. Thank you. I remember mama teaching us a little song when we were children. Yes, Jesus loves me. And every now and then, Warrington Community Church, when I'm going through a difficult time, the child in me, All right. the little boy in me, I have to say to myself when I'm so through with myself, yes, 
Jesus loves me. Look at your neighbor and say, yes, Jesus loves me. We have all experienced this love that the cross reveals. You want to know how much he loved us? He died. He commended, the Bible says, his love to us while we were yet sinners. He died for us. While we were unqualified. While we were unworthy. While we were messed up. He died. That's why I love that old hymn. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. The emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and blessed for a world, not just the world, but for me, for a lost sinner was slain. And so love's got something to do with it. Not only because the commandment requires it, but also the cross reveals it. But lest I keep you too long, Love's got something to do with it because the church reflects it. This is not ordinary love. This this is the kind of love that Jesus demonstrates. This is the kind of love that we experience in relationship to him. This is the kind of love we don't have to read a book about. This is the kind of love when we see him hanging on the cross. This is the sacrificial love. That he wants us to display and demonstrate to others who are members of the body of Christ. He says, by this, he says, I want you to love each other as I've loved you. And then he says, by this, shall all men know that you are my disciple. You know what the early church was accused of? Many of the church fathers wrote about it. Even pagans looked at their lives and they said, those Christians really love each other. Wouldn't that be refreshing today? If folk could look at the church in all of its multi-diversity and say those Christians really love each other. He says by this, let me tell you what he didn't say. He didn't say by how beautiful our, our nature building is and this is a beautiful facility. He didn't say by how many members are sitting in the pew That's right. on Sunday morning. Right. He didn't say by how big your budget is yeah. or what your doctrinal statement is. Yeah. That's right. I'm not saying those things are not important, but he didn't say that. That's right. Come on. He didn't say yeah. by what denomination you're associated with That's right. shall all men know. That's right. He said they'll know yeah. when they look at you. And see how you treat one another. The world needs this love, church. It cannot be legislated. It won't come from Washington, D.C. It won't come from our state capital. If there's any hope for our country, it has to come from the church. We got to show the world what it means to disagree but not be disagreeable. We have to show the world that you can be in the same body but have a different gift. And we need to show the world that heaven, heaven 
has room for everybody. By this shall all men know. Love's got something to do with it. They shall know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. And the word in the original for know means that people will know by observation, know by experience. Sometimes people can't hear what we say because they see what we're doing. But the Bible says, this text says, they'll know when they look at us. Because the reality of this day is sometimes the only Bible that people read is you. The only choir they hear sing is you. The only preacher they hear preach is you. The only church they attend is you. Dr. John Maxwell has greatly influenced my ministry. And it's in this context I share something that he planted in my spirit years ago. Dr. Maxwell is just a great leadership mentor and uh, written so many books, but he was a pastor. He has a pastor's heart. And Dr. Maxwell always talks about adding value to people. That's where we are today, church. People are broken. They're wounded. We need to add value. What's love got to do with it? That there, there's the commandment that requires it. You all see that. Yes. There is the cross that reveals it. Yes. But there's also the church, the church that reflects it. Yes. What's love got to do with it? I, I said, Isaiah, would you help me? Yeah. Would you come and I got to talk to Warrington Community Church this morning. Would, would you come and help me tell them what love got to do with it? And Brother Isaiah showed up this morning in my study. His spirit, and he says, just tell him that I said, who had believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form, nor comeliness, and there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, and a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we did see him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And he said, be sure to tell him this. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And then Brother Jeremiah I said, would you, would you help me? I had to preach this morning. Would you help me tell the church what love got to do with it? Jeremiah said, just tell them this. He said, morning by morning, new mercies we see. Great is Great is his faithfulness. Apostle Paul knocked on my study door. He said, I want you to tell him what love got to do with it. He said, tell him this. Though I speak with the tongues of men of angels and have not love, I am a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have not love, it profits me nothing. And though I give my body to be burned, and though I be so all my good to feed the poor, if I have not love, I am nothing. Love is kind. 
Love honors not itself. Love is not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseen. Seek them not our own, but seek of the will of God. And just tell them, now by the faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. What's love got to do with it? Can I tell you what T.D. says about it? This is what T.D. got to say. I was sinking. I was sinking deep in sin. Far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained with it. Never to rise no more. Then the master of the sea heard my despairing cry from the waters. He lifted me. Now safe am I. Love, not my education, not my networks, not family, business, but love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. And love will lift you. Because love has got something to do with it. The commandment requires it. The cross reveals it. And the church reflects it. God bless you. Love lifted me. Oh, love lifted me, y'all. When nothing else could help. Nothing else could help right. if it had not been for the Lord in my life. Right. Yeah. I'm on my way to burning hell, but love yeah. lifted me. Yeah. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.